0: We take a closer look at the ACC with Chip Patterson of CBSSports.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Chip underscore Patterson. Florida State narrowly escaped its first 0-3 start in 40 years. Wake Forest is much improved, but how much have the Seminoles dropped off in talent? Do their problems stretch beyond starting a freshman quarterback?
1: I think that the talent isn't necessarily the issue, especially on paper. I think that the, the one thing that's really frustrating for our state fans is that, I mean, they've, they've been able to get top five, top ten classes very consistently. And when you look at the talent on paper, you would think that this would be, uh, you know, a defense that doesn't look a step slow against NC State or, you know, all of a sudden getting carved up by Wake Forest quarterback John Wolford. I, I think that the execution is the other part that, uh, of things that, that are really going wrong for Florida State, particularly on the offensive line. Um, You know, that group has been criticized pretty heavily, both last season and coming into this year. And, you know, through a couple games, we haven't seen uh, that step forward that I think a lot of Florida State fans were hoping to see uh, for the offensive line. So, you know, it's not a talent drop off at all. But I think that uh, the, whether it's development or execution or coaching, the fact that this is a Florida State team that started the year, you know, or at least in July, we considered a national championship contender, and now as we're moving into October, it's looking more like 8-4, and 9-3, and three, and that's if they turn things around. I think that this is going to be one of the toughest coaching jobs. Uh, for Jimbo Fisher that he's had since being promoted to head coach at Florida State.
0: As disappointing as the start may be for Florida State, one of the better stories in the ACC so far is the start by North Carolina State. The Wolfpack have a lot of talent. Why has this year been the time for this team to come together?
1: Because this has been going on for about two, three, maybe even four seasons. Um, You know, a couple years ago, NC State was fielding one of the most inexperienced teams in in all of college football. You know, the the freshmen and the redshirt freshmen were all over the depth chart. They were making bad mistakes. They were losing games that they were hanging in. And now all of a sudden, you take a look at it, and those same names, after all that experience, are now redshirt juniors, seniors, redshirt seniors. And so – they've come up in the program. I mean, this is, I think at NC State, something that's very similar to what we saw in the Pac-12 with Colorado last year, where one group came in, new head coach, and everything kind of built together to this moment. You know, this is a NC State team that prior to this year, you know, they would lead against Florida State. They would be right there against Clemson in Death Valley. uh, And then things would just fall apart. So when you're looking at the Wolfpack um, you know, they've got wins against Florida State and Louisville and they host Clemson in Carter-Finley Stadium in what I promise you will be uh, one of the best atmospheres that we'll see during the regular season in college football this year. So, you know, they've, they've got a puncher's chance to really, really have take, – take this from what has already become a memorable season and the best yet yet under Dave Doran, but they've got a chance to do something really special and to even be in that position – I think it's uh, is a compliment to the coaching staff and the leadership among the juniors and seniors on that team.
0: Talking with Chip Patterson of CBSSports.com, and you can see him today on CBSSports.com on SEC Live with Nick Costos during LSU Florida, pre-, post-, and halftime. And you can also catch his college football podcast, the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast podcast. Louisville is now 4-2 and two after the loss to NC State on Thursday. The Cardinals have now lost to the Wolfpack and obviously an outstanding Clemson team. But, you know, this team with all its athletic ability and especially returning the best player in the nation in Lamar Jackson, I think the expectation level has been higher or was higher for this team. Is this start at 4-2 and two so far disappointing for them?
1: I think the, the way that we've seen, even in wins, this Louisville team compete – Uh, has been a little bit of a, you know, getting some cold water thrown on what was a very, very hot topic and certainly one of the most talented individual players in all of college football. Lamar Jackson can't get out there and play defense, and, you know, Louisville gave up yards to Purdue. They gave up yards and points to North Carolina. Uh, Obviously, Clemson was able to pull away in the second half of that game, and then, you know, NC State just put up 39 on them. I mean, this is a Cardinals defense that has some weaknesses, and as many points as Lamar Jackson can put up there, it just looks like they're not going to be able to stop, get enough stop for the Cardinals to be able to, uh, you know, be that kind of special 10- or 11-win team.
0: How much of a factor today for Miami is Mark Walton's health to take some pressure off the passing game and also trying to avoid Derwin James?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is the key because uh, Miami's offensive line, Pretty good, you know, not great so far this season. Mark Walton, especially talented. And uh, I think that if Malik Rozier is able to lean on that rushing attack, then all of a sudden everything else is going to open up. Because, man, I'm I'm expecting Florida State to play one of the best games it's had all season. And if it doesn't, then this is going to potentially slide the other way. But I think that defensively, Florida State should be totally locked in and ready to go. And so that's where Mark Walton's just gifted ability and athleticism and everything he's got is going to be a really really big factor in the game.
0: How much is last week's loss stick in the craw of the Hokies after all the opportunities lost? I mean, this is a Virginia Tech team that has been pretty solid so far and probably uh, sort of playing over expectations, but they were you know they had opportunities against Clemson, couldn't capitalize.
1: Yeah, this is a this, this is just one of those games where. Uh, I think that while Virginia Tech still is probably either you know Virginia Tech or Miami the team to beat in the ACC Coastal Division, uh, I think that this still shows really, if anything, how far ahead Clemson is from the rest of college football. Um, Virginia Tech's a very good team, like a lot of very good teams uh, around the country. You know, one that should be nationally ranked because I consider them in that you know top quarter, top 15, top 25 type squad, but um, they just have some weaknesses right now. They've still got some play areas to improve, and the Tigers look like a perfect football team as far as I'm considered. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Virginia Tech, and I'm really curious to see how they bounce back. One year ago, they had the heartbreaking loss to Tennessee in Bristol. They played Boston College the next week. They win 49 to nothing, really catch their stride again. You're coming out of Blacksburg. You're coming out of a game where there was so much hype. You weren't able to get the win. How do they perform against Boston College? Because if they are able to once again uh, catch their rhythm, particularly on offense, then I think it will be a good sign moving forward.
0: How or why has Kelly Bryant been at his best against biggest competition? 65%, 683 yards, six TDs, no interceptions against three top 15 teams.
1: He's a gamer. I mean, he's been in the people, we almost treat him like a freshman just because there's so many other notable freshmen and sophomore quarterbacks, but I mean, he's been in that system for a long time. He's run those plays. He's been through drills. And uh, he got the best seat in the house to see Deshaun Watson get to work. So I, I think that we sometimes look past the experience that he's had just because they haven't been game starts. Because, you know, this Clemson team went to back-to-back national championship games. That 15-game schedule is a lot of meetings, a lot of extra practice reps. Uh, he, if you total it all up, He's probably gotten even an extra year of experience with uh, all the postseason work that he's put in. So I think that that's really what's showing in terms of at least him taking care of the ball, not making a mistake that's going to cost the team. And it helps that he's got great legs and he's able to, you know, if he doesn't have anything else, Kelly Bryant can almost always get you a couple yards.
0: We take a closer look at the Pac 12 with Chip Patterson of CBSSports.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at chip underscore Patterson. We are a month through the season, entering week six, still early, but is Bryce Love second in the Heisman voting right now behind Saquon Barkley, or is he in the leader?
1: I don't know. We'll see. A lot of that's going to depend on whether Stanford's going to be able to be a factor in that Pac 12 North, uh, get a couple wins against big teams that are going to help draw the attention to one of the most productive backs in the country. But I I tell you what, my my concern with Stanford is that when you're leaning so heavily on Bryce Love, you know, what's going to happen if a team is able to slow him down? Because he's getting a lot of these yards on these big plays, and that might be the new approach when you're playing the Cardinal is, all right, we're going to do whatever we can. Bryce Love's going to get a couple yards, but let's limit those 50, 60-yard runs, and let's make KJ Costello beat us. And if that's the game plan – then that's where Costello, and that's where the Stanford offense need to show that they are a complete team, uh, not just one that's banking on, you know, just just letting the high volume shooter go out there and uh, and get his and get his cuts in.
0: How do you put into context though what he's done over the first five games? Over 11 yards per carry, over a thousand yards. That's the best start uh, over the first five games since Marcus Allen when he won the Heisman Trophy. I
1: tell you what, I, I'm interested to see how it goes moving forward. I, I know I sound like I'm hesitant to, to heap praise on him. I'm a big Bryce Love fan. Uh, you know, He played high school at Wake Forest in the Raleigh, North Carolina area as a rival of my own high school. I, I got to see him coming up. I knew that he was going to be very, very good. Spoke with David, to David Shaw on National Signing Day a couple years ago. There's been excitement and buzz about him, but I'll, I'll tell you what. This is gonna be really interesting to see if he's gonna be able to maintain the pace because a lot of these yards that come in on really, really long runs. And if enough defensive coordinators start to figure out a way to stop that and force a B plan, I don't know right now. If Stanford has a B plan.
0: Well, of course they take on Utah tonight in Rice Eccles Stadium. Never an easy place to play against a very tough physical team. You know, is this the the, the big moment for love and, and if so, how does how does Utah contain him?
1: Yeah, and Utah's one of the best run defenses in the country. This is a this is a great example of all right. So Stanford's been able to win these games where um, you know they're p- putting 50 points on the board. They're continuing to hit these big plays, but when you go in to Salt Lake City to play a Kyle Whittingham Utah team, you need to figure out a way to win that game 27-21 or 27-24, and that's and that is one of those because like just look at what the kind of games that Stanford's been in this year. Those those uh, those low-scoring rock fights really haven't been there. So I'm fascinated to see how they respond in the spot.
0: Talking with Chip Patterson of CBSSports.com, and you can see him today on SEC Live on CBSSports.com, pre-post and halftime of LSU Florida. Also catches College Football Podcast, the 27, uh, 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. How does Oregon hold up without Justin Herbert with the meat of their Pac-12 schedule coming up?
1: Oh, it's, it's a really tough loss for them because I thought Herbert was playing great, and this was setting up to be a good year for that offense. Royce Freeman's a little bit banged up, too. That's not good. I am I think that this is when that Oregon defense needs to really answer the bell because they've got a lot of young players out there, and those young players are going to be tested against Washington State. They should have a good atmosphere in Austin Stadium. Uh, Taylor ollie has been um, – he can, he can do – he can put Oregon in the right spots I don't know going up against a hard-hitting, tenacious Washington State defensive front that Oregon wants to make Taylor Ollie go out and win the game. So that's where they've got to really lean heavily on the running backs and hope that Royce Freeman's as healthy as possible.
0: Last year we saw Washington win the Pac-12 with a lightning-quick defense. Is Washington State following that same formula?
1: Uh,
0: I think that Washington State is
1: not necessarily all about speed in, in a specific way. I think that Washington State, uh, you know, mixes up their fronts. I think they tr- try to you know, do a lot of creative things to get into the backfield. I mean, this is a you know they just they've been building for about three years since Washington State made a change at defensive coordinator. And so I think that what we're seeing is that the, the scheme that was put in place is now really starting to take shape. And, uh, and I, I mean I love their front seven their front seven is very, very good. and I think that as long as they're able to get penetration uh, and get to the passer which they've been able to do, then they're, they're going to find ways to be successful.
0: Which team from the state of Washington do you think is the favorite to represent the Pac-12 North in the Conference championship right now?
1: I'm still going with Washington and the, the key for me is Miles Gaskin because after a slow start, uh, Miles Gaskin's just been light, he's been right back to where he was at his best. Um, And when Washington's moving the ball on the ground and it's not Jake Browning having to get it done, I think that's when the Huskies are great. Defensively, they're just, they're good. They're really good. They're sound. And so I I think that as long as they're able to run the ball, that's the way they're going to win games in the Pac-12. And, you know, like Jamal Morrow, Washington state running back is pretty good, but uh, I, I favor Gaskin in that matchup. And so if it comes down to the apple cup, I think that Washington's in a better position to ice a win with Gaskin at running back.
0: Jake Browning had one of his best games last year against Cal. How much more difficult will it be to duplicate that against an improving Bears defense?
1: Yeah, it'll be difficult. And that's um, you know, Justin Wilcox has done a good job with Cal. They've been pretty good defensively. They've, you know, still still gotta figure out ways uh not to hurt themselves with offensive turnovers and put that defense in a bad position. So I'm I'm thinking that Washington put on the tape and saw uh, Cal's turnovers against USC, and they said, and a playmaking Washington defense said, let's let's go out there and let's shut this down early. Um, I I think Washington wins handily in that game.
0: Talking with Chip Patterson of CBS and you can follow him on Twitter at chip underscore Patterson. We talked about Utah and its defense before, but also an area that gets looked overlooked uh, about the Utes special teams once again they have incredible special teams in their kicker matt gay has yet to miss a field goal why has this always been a staple of kyle whittingham's team and and seemingly very few other coaches follow that
1: uh, i think that every coach would love to have special teams but i i think that there's it takes just a couple years of uh the whole program buying in into like this is just what we do you know there sometimes Uh, Maybe if you're Alabama, you do it by putting your superstars on special teams where special teams becomes a privilege. And then all of a sudden you've got uh, Damian Harris blocking kicks and uh, and Minka Fitzpatrick out there. And I I think that at Utah, the same thing and the same emphasis has been put on special teams in a way that some of the the best players are out there. And they and they take great pride uh, in coming up with those game changing plays. Every coach in the country is going to tell you that they put an emphasis on special teams. But it takes a couple years of seeing the results for everyone in the program to buy in in terms of uh, really understanding the the pride that it takes and the difference that it makes in an outcome of a game.
0: We take a closer look inside the SEC with Chip Patterson of CBS com. How long before LSU seriously considers a change despite Ed Orgeron's high buyout cost?
1: Mm, I think that he is in a, a spot where um, you know, he's been known in his time as an interim coach to be able to right the ship when things are going wrong. We saw that at USC. We saw that at LSU. And now he's got one of his toughest challenges that he's going to have, uh, trying to figure out a way to keep everybody on board, despite what seems to be a growing, almost borderline toxic uh, vibe around Baton Rouge and around the football program. He's got to get them playing together. He's got to get them playing physical because the thing is, and I think that Orgeron's even admitted this. I mean, when's the last time we've seen an LSU defensive front get pushed around? I mean, there, there's a lack of physicality that's there that really is concerning. And, you know, the the high buyout that he has, and this was something that was mentioned on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast by SEC on CBS lead analyst Gary Danielson. Gary said, what if Ed Orgeron, someone who has coached at Miami, who's coached at USC, who's coached some of the best, you know, defensive linemen players in the country, You know future NFL players. What if he looked at this roster and said, you know what, it's, it's going to take some time to build this into a championship contender. I have a hunch that while a lot of people on the outside are sort of screaming about hot seats and job status, I've got a hunch that he knows it's just going to take some time to change the personnel because the 2017 LSU Tigers, they, they're just not deep enough they're not big enough, and they're just not at a championship caliber right now.
0: You look at this team, though, and you still have Dave Aranda, who had such great success in Wisconsin, uh, and was a coach on the rise. You know, is his status taking, or is his reputation taking a little bit of a hit? Mm, I
1: don't think so. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to take several years of this before uh, I think the the reputation of assistant coaches are changing. There's uh, the last two years of the little S miles era just had so much, you know, swirling debates and negativities and staff changes. I I just think that there's no way that whatever's happening or whatever does happen in 2017, I don't think that that could be pinned on uh, everybody on the staff.
0: Have they now hit rock bottom in Tennessee, the Vols' worst home loss in 20 years, first time they were shut out at home by Georgia since 1923.
1: Yes, 100%. Uh, um, I mean, the only way it gets worse is if they come back from a bye week and lose to South Carolina home. Um, and that would be lower than rock bottom. Uh, you know, you, you've given your fans a long time to think about this or hopefully a long time to forget about this. How they perform coming out of the bye week is really going to be um, something key to watch because, again, losing at home is bad. Losing at home is what, you know, sends all the every fan in that huge stadium is not only grumbling to themselves, but they're grumbling to each other. Uh, you've got all the administration there. You've got your bosses there. Uh, if you lose at home again, especially to a South Carolina team that um, you know, may or may not even be a bowl team, then that will be lower than low.
0: Talking with chip Patterson of cbsports.com and you could catch him today on the SEC live on cbsports.com with Nick costos a pre-post and half of LSU Florida you could also check out his 24/7 sports college football podcast and also follow him on Twitter at chip underscore Patterson does it get any better than Alabama in its last two games 125 to three and these are not slouches they're beating uh they're you know they're playing either yeah I I kind of feel like they're playing a different
1: game you know they don't want to just win football games anymore, they want to absolutely win every single down. And when a team of that potential and that talent and that kind of depth, when they want to win every single down for four quarters, they're just going to blow you out of the water. I mean, the backups come in, and the backups could maybe even win the SEC East. I, I think it is incredible the way that Alabama is humming right now. They will have a misstep. And the misstep I don't think will be a loss, but there will be a game at some point, um, where they things don't go exactly right, and they're not able – they let a team hang around for long enough that things get a little bit nervous. <coughs> but right now what we're seeing is total domination from kickoff to the end of the game.
0: Yeah, I can't remember, and I think we've talked about this in the past, uh, is that you look at outside of what Urban Meyer did against Alabama at Florida. Over the last, you know, five, maybe seven years, the – Every game they've played, you've thought they're going to win. And even the national championship against a great Clemson team, they had to play a terrific game and even then just was able to win in the final seconds.
1: Yeah, Alabama lost Bo Scarborough in the second half. They had undergone a change at offensive coordinator at the last minute, and they had, I think it was, 10 plays totaling 27 yards during – a big drought in the middle of the second half and they still almost won that game I mean they played that second half very very poorly their offense wasn't clicking Jalen Hurts made things happen and yeah like everything did not go well for Alabama in the second half of that national championship game and they still were you know a Hunter Renfro drop away from winning the national championship.
0: Felipe Franks is back at quarterback today for Florida will it be different this time and why?
1: I don't think it'll be different for Felipe Franks. I think it's different for the Florida offense because they've really started to find something with Malik Davis, the freshman running back. He's been uh, he's been great on early downs. He's been great in key positions. I, I really like uh, the really the long term projection for this Florida offense. Both like Franks having more time to develop um, with Malik Davis in the backfield. Uh, Kadarius Tony, a uh, big thing to watch though. Tyree Cleveland. Uh, might be out and might be dealing with injury issues against LSU. So the, the pressure on Malik Davis even more so. But, you know, long-term, big picture, when you've got playmakers like Tony, Tyree Cleveland, and Malik Davis, all young players that are playing a lot of snaps in key SEC games, I think that we are starting to see things turn around for that Florida offense. You know, while this season still might be a little bit of a struggle, I think we look ahead and we do see things turning around under Jim McElwain.
0: Talking with Chip Patterson, who you could see today on SEC Live with Nick Costos on CBSSports.com, pre-post and halftime of LSU in Florida. Mississippi State went from 3-0 and to 3-2 and awfully fast. that have been blown out. How do they turn this around before sinking?
1: I don't think they're going to sink. I mean, this this was we always looked at this and said, "All right, you know, this is a really tough stretch of their schedule. There's wins at the end of the year. A lot. I mean, there's an opportunity for them to finish as an eight-win team. It's just this was a brutal stretch when you uh, when you look at it. And I think that you know, from LSU, if you looked at LSU, Georgia, Auburn, and you're talking to a Mississippi State fan in the preseason. And said you're going to go one and two. They'd say, all right, this sounds about right. The only way that this was going to become a sink is if they went 0 oh, and three through that stretch. So while the while our uh, impressions of them has certainly roller been on a roller coaster from the LSU win uh, to where they are now, I think that you know big picture looking at Mississippi State this season, a team whose over under win total in Vegas was just at five and a half. I, I think that Mississippi State is going to rebound from this because they've got a phenomenal quarterback, they've got a good defense, and this was just uh, a tough stretch for them, and I think they ran out of gas.
0: Chipper, enjoy everything. As always, we thank you so much for your time on your busy day.
1: Love getting it started with you.